Hello everybody and welcome to Vulcast episode number 123. This episode is a special episode because it is the first VCR in what feels like at least four months, because I'm pretty sure the last one was in March. Um, so this is VCR tape number 11 and it's for Project Zero Two Wii Edition. We have been doing this one, we've been fully thinking about this one for a while um, and joining me today is Stephen. Oh hi, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've been thinking of doing this episode for a while because, um, as some people may or may not know, Project Zero Five um, is coming out exclusively on Wii U this year. Um, it is coming out in Australia too, which is really good news because there was some question as to whether it would because Project Zero Four didn't. Um, it was kind of question whether it would come out of Japan at all, like even to America, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, and it did. But then, I mean, this game in particular, I'm pretty sure this game only made it to... The Wii version of Project Zero Two, sorry, only made it to Europe and Australia. I'm pretty sure it's been a really weird um, release, like pattern. There's not really been a pattern at all. Um, but yeah, it's good that it's coming. Um, yes. So <laughs> yes, um, so we'll jump straight into, I guess, like what we usually do, which is like the kind of background and development of the game. Um, there's not a lot of stuff on the internet about like the series as a whole. Uh, it didn't really get. It's never been one that's been, like, super popular. I would say it's, you know, in the same ilk as Silent Hill and Resident Evil, but at the same time, it's never really gotten as popular as those games have. Yeah, not even, like, I'd say of the two, Silent Hill's the least popular, and it's not even, it doesn't even compare to how popular Silent Hill is. It's something that like, I've only ever knew of it beforehand for reading, like, a one-page review in a games magazine a decade ago or something like that. Yeah, um, and all the games came out here. Like, it wasn't a case of... Except for Project Zero Four, so so the first three came out here. They made their way. I think Ubisoft took over after the second game. Sony did the first one. It's been a bit all over the place. All right, how weird is it to think that Ubisoft brought a Project Zero game out at any point in time? Yeah, um, and Tecmo is the developer. So basically, what happened was Tecmo's other franchise they work on, which is called Deception. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it's like a, I think it's about setting traps, and um, it's pretty gory from what I've heard but I've never actually played them. Um, basically, they the franchise, Project Zero as a franchise, was created off the back of this Deception franchise, which was a really dark atmosphere, but it wasn't very scary, so the developers wanted to make something that was scary. And then Project Zero was born. Um, it's called Project Zero in Europe and Australia. It's called Zero in Japan, and it's called Fatal Frame in America. So... It's got a different name everywhere. I think I, I'd kind of prefer the Fatal Frame name. That sounds much more, I don't know, attention-grabby. Project Zero doesn't really tell us anything about what it is. Yeah. I mean, Fatal Frame is, yeah, I guess. That's a good... Okay, Project Zero doesn't really mean anything. No. I'm sure there is a... I think like, there's a meaning behind the word for Zero in Japanese or something has some kind of meaning okay. that relates to the games, but I haven't actually looked into it too much. Um, yeah, definitely it's not mentioned in any of the, well, at least the one game I've played, I couldn't really find any mention of it. Yeah. Um, apart the, from ammo. This, yeah, the series basically generally is a, kind of puts a, a, a defenseless girl into a haunted location that has like a horrible history, um, and she, or sometimes in one of the games he, um, must fight off ghosts and spirits using an ancient camera, which has the power to like kind of capture spirits. Um it's a. I think that you know it. It came out. I can't remember when the first game came out, but it was. It's kind of you know. It's t- 
does what Silent Hill and Resident Evil did, but it kind of ta- moves in a different direction for the way that the combat works. It was apparently um, 2001, just yeah. charming in. Okay, so that was a little bit, that was actually quite some time after um, Silent Hill and Resident Evil, obviously, because PS2 was when it started. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's. I think that it's of all, say, the the big two horror franchises or that were around then, um, it really, like, kind of d- distanced itself by making it feel more, like, a, rooted in, like, Japanese culture and folklore and all that kind of stuff. And I think the result is something that's much more unique. Um, not to say that Silent Hill and Resident Evil weren't unique, you know. Oh, of course. But, but this- like, it's something that it, it takes themes and ideas that are just completely foreign to especially a Western audience. I can't really speak on behalf of Japanese people, but for me it's all stuff that I've maybe seen referenced in a couple of like Japanese horror film adaptions like, you know, The Grudge, The Ring and stuff like that. But it's all relatively foreign compared to zombies and werewolves and more Western horror tropes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, And like reading through a few interviews and stuff, I read through a few for the first game that I could find. Um, Basically, the team watched many Japanese horror films for locations, um, but they also wanted to give the game kind of an old-timey feel, like so it felt like it could be happening in the like long past because each each game has you know flashbacks to history. And apparently, they also watched a lot of lots of old-time war footage just to get an idea of how to present the game in like a gritty way that kind of looked like it was from the past but not. Interesting. Um, yeah. And the developers also chose to incorporate a camera like as the weapon because it was first of all more unique, say, to Resident Evil where you get bazookas and <laughs> or to Silent Hill, which where it is still weapons, just a little bit different. Um but also because the cameras themselves, you know, as some people may have heard, have like superstitions surrounding them in certain religions and cultures too. So it kind of worked on in both ways. Um and I guess we'll touch upon the camera stuff later, but I think that that is probably the big thing that really separates it in terms of, like, from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, totally. Like, nothing... It's not... You don't kill things. You, like, exercise spirits with the camera. It's just, you, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's all very spiritual rather than, I'll shoot you with a big gun. And, like, it kind of... Even though it is powerful, it's less... You still feel powerless because it is just a camera. Like... Mm. And it's, you know, instead of ammo, you've got film. And it's, it's just so such a weird thing, but it works well. Um, but, yeah, so uh, as people probably know, Project Zero, 1, 2, and 3 were all on PlayStation. Um, Xbox got, like, enhanced versions of 1 and 2 as well. Um, with extra content, which was, as I was saying to you before, Stephen was kind of weird, but I yeah. guess Microsoft wanted to, you know, get that Japan pie. Yeah, they <laughs> um, really did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Project Zero 03 was a PlayStation exclusive. Probably I think it's probably better than Project Zero 02, but it's a little bit weird at the same time. Um and then the series jumped ship to Nintendo, which is I f- still find bizarre to this day. Uh Grasshopper and Nintendo worked together with Tecmo to make Project Zero 04, which was exclusively for the Wii. It's unavailable officially, but it has been translated um by fans and most of the glitches that plagued it have been fixed. Um, and then Project Zero Five is coming out on Wii U this year. Do we know if like it's exclusive to Nintendo? The, like, if there's any sort of agreement, or they just feel like the Wii and Wii U are the best place to release them? It seems it doesn't seem like a thing that Nintendo would go. Yeah, we really want this, you know, deeply psychological horror game on our system exclusively. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I think 
when people made the jump to HD is what this is. I mean, I, this is me. This is pure like speculation. speculation. <laughs> but like, I think that when a lot of developers made the jump to HD and these smaller teams like Tecmo's Project Zero team and stuff couldn't really keep up with it, they stuck with the Wii because the the you know it wasn't HD and that would have been cheaper to make than a full on. Um, new game and like you know like Capcom did it with Monster Hunter 2 yeah I guess that totally makes sense because it's also a more risky franchise like you can put out Ninja Gaiden on HD consoles spend heaps of money on it and that's probably going to sell but Fatal Frame or Project Zeros, yeah, not really a sure thing. So yeah, that 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 makes sense at least. I mean, yeah, it's it's pure. Like we don't know if that's the case or not, but yeah. that's just what I think. Um, Project Zero Four was actually partly funded by Nintendo as well, so I don't know if it's a Bayonetta Two situation where the game wouldn't exist without them. Um, but then basically, out of the Project Zero Four stuff, the guys got really close to Nintendo and said, "Hey, we want to do something else with you." And then they were like, "Okay, well, we'll give you some money, but you can't just remake one of your old games. You have to." Do something new and then i don't know if the team misunderstood or not but they basically said yeah we're gonna remake project zero two and they were like but it it, i mean if you play the original project zero two and then you play this one they are quite different um like in terms of story progression and stuff they're exactly the same um but in terms of gameplay they're actually yeah really different which we'll get into later okay yeah i'd be interested to hear about that yeah um just quickly while we're talking about the development the team when they're working on this game they visited a haunted house together um first of all to like it was more of like a haunted house theme park attraction to kind of get the idea because the big theme with this game apparently was to develop a game that could be enjoyed just to watch and to rather than just play and like to enjoy a game together if that makes sense so they kind of they went to a haunted house to work out you know what makes the game scary together and they realized that it kind of wasn't going to be able to translate well into a game um so what they did then instead was they sent their development team like just individual members to abandoned houses by themselves just to at night just to kind of pick up what the vibe would be um (laughs) and watch horror movies as well as they did for all the other games so they did quite a bit (laughs) um and as people may or may not know is the first three project zero games all had um, static camera angles. The fourth game moved to a more over-the-shoulder angle, uh, which is, you know, similar to, say, Resident Evil 4. Um, and with that, because what happened was, is when they made Project Zero 4, which changed the perspective, all the furniture and all that kind of stuff was was apparently, like, designed for that viewpoint, whereas with Project Zero uh. 2, which remakes a lot of this stuff, um, and especially because apparently in Japanese culture, because you're sitting a lot of the time in your house, a lot of the furniture isn't as tall and stuff, so there were heaps of difficulties bringing the game to this new kind of viewpoint without having to redesign all the locations and stuff. And apparently that was the biggest issue with making this game, which was something I wouldn't have even thought was an issue. Yeah, the height, like, the height of furniture. Yeah, like, I know, right? Like, I can't even imagine... I'm sure it worked fine just back then, but playing the Wii version, it's hard to imagine that being a Resident Evil-style fixed camera angle game. It's, I, yeah, I just question how that would work. Yeah, sure I, did, I, but, I think yeah. that there are some aspects that work better, um, but we'll get to that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We'll, uh, but basically, the development team have really. But I don't know if this is just because Nintendo are funding them, but they also have talked about how they actually love the way that the Wii Remote can be used for the flashlight and how the Wii Remote speaker lets them you like you know incorporate different ways of. Sp- using sound into the yeah. game which that i thought was it into the room yeah a which more I th- directly yeah which was much more effective um 
and I think that they feel the same way about the gamepad. I still, I'm very interested to see how it turns out on Wii U, mm. um, but we will see. We will. Soon. Um, so yeah, Project Zero um, came out for the Wii um, some time ago, but it, it don't. I don't think it, you know, set the world on fire with the sales. <laughs> no, I mean, like I still see copies sitting around at JB's everywhere for like twenty bucks, just waiting for someone to buy them. Been there for like four years. But it's really good. Like, um, I there, there are a few issues with it, with like most horror games. But yeah, it's. I think it's getting. It was 2012 it was released, so it's about three years old now. But um, I think that this one was chosen to be remade as well because the story is very much um, standalone. Like, you don't have to play anything else to get this one, and you also don't have to. It seems to be the most popular one, like amongst the fans and stuff. Okay. Almost like you know, everyone loves Silent Hill too. Yeah. Yeah. I sure need to play that. Whoops. Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a thing. It exists and it's out and we're going to talk about it. So, let's just quickly get into the storyline. Um, you take the... You play as... I think you play as... M- you play as Mio. There's Mio, Mio and Mayu, who are two... Mayu. Who are... Mayu, sorry. Mayu. <laughs> Yeah, um, who are twin sisters who basically, I think they're just playing in a field or something in the game, and then they, one of them follows a crimson butterfly and gets, they eventually lead, get led to this place called the All Gods Village. Um, it's a village that apparently was abandoned a long time ago, and I think, if I read correctly, this village disappeared. Yeah, I do remember having that mentioned in, like, early games. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so... um the village has a tendency to apparently just appear and disappear. Um, so it's a whole, it's one of those weird supernatural anomalies. I don't know if this was rooted in like, say like a, like an urban legend or something that the Japanese people have, but yeah, it's, I guess it's interesting to the idea that a village can disappear. Yeah. I mean, um, it probably is. Cause I've sort of noticed, I've done a tiny bit of research and a lot of the things I saw in this were kind of, mentioned in, you know, a couple of old sort of Japanese folklore that I remember hearing about or, you know, reading at some point. And yeah, it's, I imagine that's probably another one of them is just a, a village that can appear and disappear and has some significance. But then I, yeah. And then I wonder if that's just weird translation errors, like when people disappear, all the people disappear, so they say the village did, you know? Oh yeah, that's a fair point. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. But yeah, I think it's scary if we just think that the village can disappear. Yeah. Um, so we'll go with that. Um, eventually, Mayu disappears and Mio must save her in the process of uncovering the secrets and the violent history of the village. Um, this is a very like common theme in all the Fatal Frame or Project Zero games is that there is the location that you're exploring is generally, you know, has a very violent history. I think that that's the case for this one, especially. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I don't think we'll get too into spoilers too much because if people haven't played this, it is a good game to play through. Um, if it was a game everyone had played, I think we would be more easy to go into spoilers. But we Yeah, won't. I think probably some of the best parts of it was, you know, piecing together the story. So, yeah, wouldn't yeah. want to ruin that for many people. So the games are set um, in, like, present-day Japan, um, but I do think that it's, it's weird because even though it is set in present-day Japan, almost all of the games you're exploring kind of these more traditional locations, like, you know, Mountain villages, haunted houses, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's like a good mix. Mm. I kind of feel, and you feel really isolated. Like there's no, there's. It's very rare that you'll see either daylight or get out of the, um, the location. Yeah, you're kind of locked into the area by whatever you know spectral force brought you there until yeah, until the end, really. Yeah. Um. 
the developers basically have designed, tried to design the, the locations and stuff to be as realistic as possible. Most of the locations are designed um, to, I guess, like apparently if you are Japanese, you will understand the the layout of each of the houses and um, the way that, you know, like kimono rooms and all that kind of stuff. Like mm. it's all, apparently it's very, very like culturally authentic or culturally true to how things were. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm hardly a scholar in Japanese culture, but what, it, yeah. you know, it did seem like a, you know, I was walking into a house that could be in a Ghibli film after hundreds of years of decay and evil spirits have been around. Yeah, and I think that's what it does really well is like the, the tone and the atmosphere is really like mm. you kind of feel, you really do feel like this village has just been abandoned. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, you're definitely right there. I just felt like people just went at some point and it's, it's kind of eerie like those. It's completely off topic, but like you see the documentaries about Chernobyl and stuff, how people just left as, you know, left everything as it was. And it's kind of a similar feeling for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the, I mean, I won't, we won't, obviously we won't go into like specific spoilers. Um, but I think that the one thing that I just didn't like about Project Zero Two, most of the games actually is that the storyline is the same almost for every game. It feels like, you know, there's some kind of sacrificial being and there's a ritual and the ritual did is the cause of all the bad stuff and the girl usually has a tie to the ritual somehow that you're playing as and it's very simple. Um, but I guess, like, it, if it works to be scary, why would you change it at the same time? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, a simple sort of concept if you look at it from, you know, the far-off level sort of thing. But I think that the... The way that they told it, it, you sort of gradually discovered little bits and pieces that gave you details about how the ritual worked and how all of the different, I guess, characters, if you could call them, played into the whole story of how that specific village played out. I, yeah, it's a simple story overall, but I think they, yeah, it was really interesting how the specific details played out and how you discover it all. Yeah, I guess like my only thing is I just, it's a bit, I feel like like in terms of if somebody played the game from beginning to end and missed a few files or something, like it's kind of underdeveloped, like there's only, you you would really have to read everything to get into it. Oh, um, totally, yeah. If, and if that, you didn't read the files, you'd miss almost everything. It'd just be, uh, you know, went here. And I don't mind, ghosts. you know, I don't personally do not mind reading, but then at the same time, if you if the files can be missed, like, it kind of makes it a bit annoying. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how many I missed, but I'm sure there might have been a, a couple yeah. here and there. I mean, then at the same time, like, to the game's credit, there are a lot of things that you can miss, which are, I guess, not essential. Um, but or, or even some like little environmental cues that I noticed. There was one part where you sort of walk up to a shrine, and there were all these um like stones with sets of twins carved into them that weren't mentioned anywhere in text or anything. I just sort of noticed it there, and it yeah just sort of makes you think about it. You know, are those twins that have you know are they significant in the village's history and things like that? Yeah. Um. And one of the things, and this is something that it's so like cliche, but like I love it, um, is especially in movies like the like based on this kind of folklore, which is like you know the Grudge of the Ring. They're all you find all these ghosts throughout the game and stuff, and you're usually like, oh, why do they look like that, or why do they behave this way, or what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And then you, as you 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 piece things together, like you're saying, Stephen is like, and you find out there is a story to them, and they each ghost has their own backstory to a certain extent. Like, some of them have, like, you know, a one-paragraph explanation, but then others are who, for example, the main antagonist of the game has a full story as to why... Yeah, sort of gradually piece it together over the hours of play. Which I really, like, appreciate, and that's... 
I guess the thing is, I think that's, I guess that's what all horror, good horror games should do. And I think mm. that's, cause you know, Silent Hill does that. Resident Evil used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, I think there's not enough. And I like that, you know, the games today still are like that. Like they haven't really changed too much. Yeah, one thing I actually found sort of on the topic of those ghosts and their stories, I managed to find sort of what they, what I think they might be referring to in like Japanese folklore is that there's a ghost called an onryo or, or how, I don't know if I'm yeah. saying it correctly, but basically yeah, yeah. it's a ghost that's been wronged in life and they're like a victim of a violent demise and so they'll sort of look exactly the same as they did at the moment of death and that's why you see a lot of ghosts with you know, like heads hanging off and, you know, various states of injuredness. Yeah, no, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and that's like, and everyone who's seen like The Ring or The Grudge, mm. um, pretty much every major antagonist in a Japanese horror film is an onryo or onro. Um, and it's just, it's probably one of those, I guess it's like a staple. I don't know, I'm trying to think of what we have like as a kind of analogue to that in our movie culture or I think or. all that we have is just the ghost <laughs> with unfinished business. We yeah, have Casper. Which, which, yeah, which I guess <laughs> is the same thing, just less sinister, less yeah. scary. Um, but yeah, I think generally speaking, like the story is very simple and I do feel like it is kind of underdeveloped, but I think it's still pretty effective. I like that the game has multiple endings. Um, there is a happy-ish ending, but it's not that happy. It's like I feel like these games especially are very down. Yeah, like there was not a, not any point in this game where I felt, you know, safe, happy or anything like that. It was just different sort of degrees of uncomfortable tension. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because the, the third game in particular, like they had a, a, it was like a hub world that you went and then you would go into like, I guess, this dream world, which was where most of the scary stuff happened. But you could escape to the hub world and that kind of oh. was the first time in a Fatal Frame or Project Zero game where you could do that. Um, but we'll get into that later for gameplay and stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, but, yeah, so I think, like, yeah, the story's great. It's it's very... It is a little bit by the numbers, but it's still entertaining. It's very fun to... It's the mystery, and I guess, and um, suspense of it all is what really pulls you through the game. Mm. Um, because and just how none of it's told overtly. It's all told through you know, messages you find in the environment or just things you see in houses. There's no, like, intro movie that tells you, this is a village that had a thing happen. It's all... Yeah, it's, it's not... And I, yeah, I just feel like piecing it together yourself makes it all all the more meaningful when you see, I guess, the culmination of all the little clues that you've been picking up. It's all there and you're like, oh, also that's really scary. Yeah, like, you literally, like, see a one-minute cutscene mm. where your sister runs in, you run in, then you take control. Like, that's it. That's all yeah. you, you... There's no, like, yeah, as you said, like, overdone exposition or anything. Like, you can... you And your mind thinks, what is this place? Or, like, what is going on here? And I guess that's why... It, that, that's the psychological aspect of it. Like, nothing Yeah, I guess that's sort of a, a horror trope even. Like, it's just, you know, the scariest thing is what you don't see. Yeah, for sure. Um... I mean, just quickly, the only real thing that um, links these games, I guess, is the camera. But even then, the camera isn't the same one. Uh, so there's a few different ones in the game series. Um, but that's probably the only huge major continuity thing that you'd have to know. One and three are linked, I believe, but I haven't played four or five yet, so I don't know if they're linked. 
to anything. Um, but that's it's very very um, what's the word weak link. Like you don't have to play it to understand it at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've not played any other Fatal Frame Project Zero, and this felt like a completely standalone story. Yeah, two is very much standalone. But yeah, um, so um, so that's all we have to say about the story. So we'll go to a quick break, and we'll return to talk about the gameplay. And we're back. So, if we're talking about Project Zero Two or Fatal Frame Two, uh, the Wii edition or Wii remake or Deep Crimson Butterfly, if you live in Japan, <laughs> weird, bizarre name. Um, so, getting like straight into the gameplay, it's it's pretty, I guess, typical for a horror game. Like, you know, you're chucked into a location. Um, you have puzzles kind of to solve sometimes. Um, I don't think there's much of an emphasis on puzzles in this game as there might be in, uh, like, say, Silent Hill, which is just completely over the top with its puzzles or Resident Evil, which is a bit more straightforward. Yeah, and I mean, um, I can only really think of about four puzzle moments where you kind of stopped just exploring a place and had to move things in the right order to get a key or something like that. I can't think mm. of many more. Or go find three items that it's the same or something. Yeah. It's, um, it's when you're, you know, exploring and stuff, it's all very much very typical horror kind of things. You're walking through, stuff appears or stuff jumps out at you. Um, loud noises. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, pretty typical. Um, and because it's controlled, this is all controlled from, I guess, uh, like a camera behind the character, so it's more of a third-person game now. Um, yeah, and I'd say it's close to Resident Evil 4 in how you actually control it. Yeah, um, and the, the Wii remote is used for the flashlight to move, to, like, move up and down and stuff, while... The camera itself, when you use that, you go into first-person mode, which is where most of the combat happens. Um, the combat in Project Zero, or Fatal Frame, um, is where, I guess, the game really feels unique. Um, so you only get a camera. That's all you get. Like, you never find anything else. So, yeah, it's literally it. Like, you just get different films that are you know have different effects, but that's all... Yeah, you can get different lenses as well, which kind of change the effects oh, true, yeah. on some of those things. But it's just the camera. Um, the I the the only thing I find with the uh, like the way that the battle system works is is that it rewards you if you can, I guess, wait until the best, the last minute, and the best shot of the ghost that you're fighting, mm. and that's what they call a zero, a fatal frame, or a zero shot. Um, depending on which game you're playing. And that, I guess that is where most of, I guess, the tedium comes from in the combat sometimes. Like, you, a lot of the time, if you're trying to save film or you're trying to get the highest points, which doesn't really make sense, the point system, but that's another argument. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, it just can get be annoying to have to take the photo, wait for the ghost to disappear and come back to you. Um, yeah, it's sort of, yeah, once they attack or once they get hit, they just kind of disappear and you're just looking around the room waiting for them to reappear or looking at the little filament in the top corner to see where roughly they are in relation to you, which was, it, it was tense sometimes, you're like, where, especially when you don't have much health and you don't have any healing items, which happened to me once or twice, and it's just, oh God, where are they going to come from? Where are they going to come from? And then either just seeing it and being prepared and feeling like you are a master camera 
person or just, you know, having them sneak up behind you and everything's ruined. It's, it's pretty tense. I, I liked it most of the time. Yeah. Um, it's, I think that the only problem with it is that, um, like my thing with horror is like, I'm trying to put this into a sentence. Um, <laughs> I think the thing with the camera, the camera system is, is like, okay, it is kind of scary where you have to wait until they like lunge at you or whatever to get the best photo or whatever. Mm. But to me, it's less scary when you are looking at the thing that is meant to be scary. Like it's more scary to not show it or only show bits of it. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I guess I kind of see what you mean. Cause to what you, what it sort of encourages you to do is completely keep your focus on the spirit at all times. Basically, if you lose it, then you're going to have a t- bad time combat wise. But yeah, if you're just watching it every moment and you know how it's going to jump up at a certain point, it do- it's not as scary. Yeah. I, I can, I can think I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Like the designs are frightening. Like, Oh yeah. When some of them the, are revealed, it's amazing. Yeah. Like the, they are just gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll never forget. Like in the first game, for example, the, and uh, there is a similar ghost in this game too. Um, but the first game obviously sticks with me more cause I saw it first. Um, this, character just this ghost just falls off a roof and you're like what the hell was that and it gets up and you kind of think oh it's a person but then its neck has bent over like a tongue itself and you're like oh fuck it's like it's not it's something's wrong that is a vengeful spirit (laughs) yep (laughs) it's coming for me um but yeah like I think the the combat is that's the only thing that I hate about it is like the it's just so like can be a little bit tedious um I do like how the camera is used in puzzle solving and stuff. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Like there was some, it sort of rewards you for taking, there's like, I think a series of special photos you need to take to get some sort of other special ending or just more points. I'm not quite sure what they all add up to, but so there are puzzles as well. Like you find bits in the environment and you can see what's in the spiritual realm through the lens, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I think sort of sticking on the combat, the thing that happened with me is that I, at the start of the game, it I didn't think it explained itself terribly well. And I what, didn't quite understand how to get a fatal frame until a couple of chapters in. And yeah. I didn't quite understand that there was a combo system at all until like a chapter or two away from the very end. And once I'd worked that out, then combat was just, it wasn't scary at all. It was just a thing you had to do. So I don't know. I enjoyed the combat more once I knew how it worked, but it was less scary as a result. Mm. No, I guess then that's. I guess that's the idea. With, yeah. With these kinds of games, is once you have, say, the rocket launcher, or I guess the the ability to do more damage to your enemies, like it becomes less scary. Mm. Um, there are times when they ramp up the tension with, um, you know, one hit kills and stuff, but then a lot of the time you don't know about that until it happens and it just becomes yeah. an annoying, an annoying moment of trial and error rather than, I guess, a, a true, like, scary kind of enemy. Um, it's more, that's more of a tense scare than a psychological scare, I guess. Yeah. Like you kind of tense up while you try not to get hit, but then you have to do stuff at the same time. And that's where the, half the challenge comes from. Um, yeah, like there's this one room where there's a ghost that can kill you in one hit, basically. And every time I, yeah, I have to go back through that room like three or four times. Every time I'm just like, got to make it to the other door, got to make it to the other door, just sprinting across and hoping it doesn't get me. Mm. Um, one thing that I did want to talk about was the way that the original game was kind of, I guess, like... What's the correct? I don't know how to what the right term is, but like the way that all the frames and stuff were composed 
like cinematography, but for a game. Yeah. Um, well, I, I it, think it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, so, like, in the original game, the one thing I love about the original games especially is that the fixed they're actually fixed camera angles, um, but they do move from time to time to kind of create this feeling of weird, like, un- makes you unnerved a bit. Um, but my thing with the, the change of, like, viewpoint in the Wii version is that a lot of the time if you're not looking in the place where the developers want you to be looking, you miss a lot of stuff. Um, and it was a huge issue I had with games like Outlast, where, you know, it is all first person, so if you're not looking at the thing that's gonna, meant to be scary, you get the, the audio cue that's like, whoa, like, but you don't actually see what it is. Yeah, and no, um, the only solution that I've seen developers use is to, like, take over your camera angle, so you're forced to look at a thing, but then you feel like you're not in control anymore, and that's a whole other yeah. set of problems, Yeah. So it's a really hard problem to fix, and I don't know how they could have fixed it. And I, I get the vibe they didn't care in this, yeah. um, because in the original game, um, which I seem to remember more than this one, um, is that a lot of the camera, like as soon as you move from one area to another, the camera angle change. Not only does it change angles, which already styles you, like there's a ghost there that's walking through a door or something. Yeah. Whereas in the first, in the Wii version, I remember this part and I go through to play it and I only looked in that area because I was looking in that area, you know? Like, I could have easily have been looking, I could have easily run straight past it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, like a, it's a T-junction, if you think of it as a T-junction and it appears in the middle. I could have easily ran straight past it because I was going to the other door. Um, and that to me is annoying. But, I mean, I guess, Stephen, did you have that issue? Was there ever a point where it, made a noise or something and you didn't see it? I think uh, sort of similar to the combat at the very start, I was looking in every corner and a lot of the time there was a thing there and I, you know, they all got me, but I don't know if I missed any in the late game. They just sometimes were, uh, I guess the ghosts that got me the most that I enjoyed slash was terrified by were the ones that were introduced in like a cutscene or by some scripted event. So you could see exactly the grotesqueness of everything that they are. But yeah, I don't think I was ever really startled or, you know, there was nothing terribly memorable about the other, um, like ghost reveals or major events because you're not really focused on it. Like, yeah. yeah I, I just don't think I got the, I d- can't really compare it to the fixed uh, camera angles of the original, but it's, I, I imagine there were probably some that I missed. Yeah, I just, and this is why I really actually want to play um, number four now because that game was designed from the ground up for that camera angle and see if that changed things. Whereas this one, it was clear there were a few moments where I missed a few like shots, um, and but then at the same time they introduced new things that kind of made up for it, um, which we'll talk about in a second, like the touch system or the the peak system or whatever that they call it. they call it touch plus or something. Oh, so that was all new. Yeah, none of that was in the original. Okay, um, that was only introduced in um, Project Zero Four, and then they kind of retooled it um, for pro- this weird edition remake. So interesting. Yeah, um, and apparently, like, that was one of the ways they got around that, that furniture issue they had, <laughs> um, because they could just, they wouldn't have to worry about, like, the size of the character versus where they're picking stuff up from, because they would just go into this controlled touch system that they had. Should we talk um, about that now or leave it for a bit later? Yeah, we, oh, yeah, or we might sort as well. Of, yeah, yeah, might as well then. But yeah, yeah. No, sort of. I think just before we go into that, like, my yeah. main take home point about, fixed camera angles versus the the main ones is I prefer fixed because it lets them design the scares more, I guess. Mm. Um, but then I guess at the same time, that makes it a little bit less dynamic of an experience. Like it's the same thing every time you play through. 
I think this game um, was sort of around that time when Resident Evil 4 had made everyone think that fixed camera angles were a thing of the past. Like, the, obviously, the you know before Resident Evil 4, people were kind of getting a bit sick of it, but this is just after Resident Evil 4, if I can remember correctly, and it's sort of... Well, this was three years ago. This Oh, do you mean the Wii one or the... P- yeah, oh, the Wii one. Oh, oh, yeah, the Wii one. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm completely out of, out of line no, there in that case. But, like, the, I mean, you know, Silent Hill Shattered Memories came out, and that did a similar thing where it kind of took what Silent Hill 1 was and changed it completely. Mm. Um, I mean, at least Project Zero 2 was still quite faithful, but they just changed the camera angles. Um, but I guess I think that that is very much... a. a a painting of modern game design now is you never have, you have a character who is, you know, bottom left of your screen and it's their back. Like it's exactly, not, yeah. yeah, it's so rare these days that you would get a fixed camera angle in any game almost. Um, and when they do do it, they do it to kind of throw you off. Um, I think they did it a few times in Resident Evil 4. If you had the Japanese version, apparently they did that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I think that's just an interesting thing to compare is how, just a simple design decision like that can change dramatically how your game plays out. Mm. Um, and, yeah, that's what I hate about these, like, weird, slender games where yeah. you know, it's just, you know, you hear noise, you've got to use scram, everyone just spins on a circle, like, in the middle, like, pivots on a circle just to find out what they're yeah, looking Yeah, just move for. your mouse around in a circle and, oh, there's the scary thing. Oh, it's the standing there, it's not doing anything, how scary. <laughs> but if I blink, it'll be there. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's get into what like the Touch Plus system, which is basically um, it's a way to, I guess, make how do you ex- describe it? To make every picking up of an item or interacting with an environment build up tension. So basically, like as you go to grab an item in these games, your character you enter this little. It's like a mini game, but it's, I wouldn't call it a mini game per se. Um, there's nothing really you have to do. It's just, you know, your character reaches forward, you hold the button as you do it, and then you grab the item. I think sort of when I wasn't prepared for it, it made me think it's making you really, really commit. It gives you every opportunity to pull out of this action. And for for a while at least, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, should I should I go ahead with this? Should I not? And it, it was it, once I, you know, worked it out later on in the game, like most things, it stopped being as effective but it was really effective to start with yeah um it's basically for people who don't know like you know as you if you go grab it and you're not successful but i mean this is the thing it's not a it's not a skill thing it's a completely random thing um you know it plays a stinger um which which for people who don't know is like you know a loud noise that's meant to kind of make you a bit scared mm. um and cuts to an animation of your character fighting to get the hand these ghostly hands off them um oh yeah because the ghostly hand might come and grab you as you're grabbing the item or yeah the thing so yeah we should have mentioned that <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> yep it basically is like you know it builds a pop-up scare into picking up items which to me is interesting as an idea like you know it kind of takes something that is very um mundane like a rudimentary thing like picking up an item i think it like i think they're good um because it makes the the like doing them nerve-wracking because you know you never know when something's going to pop up yeah definitely Um, although i did notice like one weird thing is i noticed um sometimes when the ghostly hands were appearing the Wii disk drive would start loading like making a little clunk clunk sound beforehand and that was a bit of a warning Oh, really? It was kind of, yeah, when I noticed that, I was like, oh, really? I've ruined this now. <laughs> oh, that sucks. 
I've never noticed that. I think that, um, you know, other games have kind of done this. I think the best example I can think of is um, opening doors in Resident Evil. Mm. Um, in some of the games, you know, you know, by the time you get to these points where stuff does happen, you're so used to just seeing a door open and walking through it. Sometimes a bunch of zombies will just burst through, like during yeah. the door opening animation. And that's really, and it's kind of similar to that. But I think um, sort of the thing different here is you can pull out at any time, sort of like, are you sure you want to go through that door? You don't know what's on the other side? Or, you know, are you sure you want to look in that cupboard? Might be a yeah. scary thing in there. I think that it's um the the key thing here is this kind of thing is really cool, but it has to be really used in moderation. Like, it could get really oh, yeah. annoying if it keeps happening. Um, and it's used all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like. Um, but I think it also adds to the game's tone and the atmosphere where, and we'll get it, I guess we'll go into this next, is how it never lets down. Like, there is never a moment in this game where you're like, oh, you know, like, where is... No relief. There's yeah, no, like, if no save room like Resident if, Evil. Yeah, if anyone's played Resident Evil, where there's the save rooms where you know nothing can get to you and it's got that soothing music, or Silent Hill where you've just been spent an hour or two in the, the other world or the demonic looking areas and then it just it all like you know cleans itself away and you're mm. back in the real world and you're like oh even though this is unnerving i can still have a take a chance to breathe yeah in comparison um, it's nicer project zero does nothing like this like, like it's, even like even when you pause the game there's still just eerie weird noises happening all the time it just doesn't let up yeah and it's and i think that that to me is a huge deal reason why this episode took so long to finish. <laughs> um, <Yep>. <laughs> because, like, it's one of those games where you just, you can't play it for ages. Like, you, I really, it's one of the, I just can't brute force this kind of game. Um, no matter how, even though I've played it before. Um, because it's just so, like, emotionally draining. Like, you, and even, like, you know, this item pickup thing. Like, even these simple actions where you've got moments where you're like oh nothing will get me now these moments all can get you tense as well like it's just so draining to play this game yeah i found and- exactly the same thing like I, an hour hour and a half like i really could finish an entire chapter in a sitting like i did towards the end because i was like really i have to have to do this even if i take a 10 minute break i'll come back and keep going but probably for the first 75 percent of the game i just it was too much to play for a long period of time and this is, I guess, kind of why, and, you know, this whole item thing is, you know, you, you kind of, when you begin to expect that something will jump out at you while you're going to grab an item, um, if you don't, if you stop expecting it and kind of try to relax, you know, you'll get scared again. Yeah, like, definitely. That, that action will creep you out again, and then that just makes it more. So you're always either really scared or really tense to be scared. And it always um, seemed like, because it seems, I'm not sure if specific items will have the ghost hand try to grab you or if it's like a every certain amount amount of items or if it's just randomly generated. But it always seemed like just as I'd picked up enough with no ghosts that I was starting to think, okay, I won't have to worry about it. That's when it happened again. And it got yeah. me every time. And then they, this kind of stuff is, um, is also utilized a lot in the game where you even just looking at things. Um, I mean, how many times in a resident evil game do you, you know, go and look at a desk and it's like, there are dishes strewn about. There's nothing to worry about here. <laughs> there Whereas, are pens. Yeah, there's a mirror with a blanket over it. Nothing mm. to see here or something. Whereas in Project Zero, you know, you actually pick up the blanket and you, oh, hold, yeah. and you hold A to peek into it. And it, it's so simple, but it is so freaking tense. It's just like, like, yeah, those ones where it's like a, a kimono over a mirror. It's like, it gives you the idea. There could be, you know, it's just big enough for a person to be hiding in. 
Like, oh, do I want to look? Like, and then you do because you want to. Because you have and to. Then, it's a video game. But... And then it's like it plays that noise as you're zooming, as the camera zooms into it, and mm-hmm. then there's nothing there. Like, And you're just like, oh, fuck. But, but then there you... might have been something there. That's the thing. Yeah, and then like the next one, you know, like, oh, there's there's a room here. Do you want to look in there or something? And you're like, okay, sure. And then it's like zooms in. You just get tense again, and it just starts all over again. Mm. And um, it, that kind of stuff is just so simple but works so well. Um. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you put someone in a dark room and make them stare into a dark space, like, and see how long it takes until they... Until they think something's watching back. Yeah, or like, yeah, it's it plays it just plays around with your mind and stuff. Mm. And that's why I think it's it's really simple, but so effective. Um, and sometimes there were moments, you know, where it's like a ghost would just appear and you've got to quickly turn around to take a photo of it to add to your collection. Um mm. And that kind of stuff would sometimes be at the end of these peek-in moments. I saw one where, you know, you have to peek into a door and you're like, oh, nothing's there. And then all of a sudden there's a guy strangling a woman and you're like, yeah. oh, shit. Or and like there's was- one point where you're like looking through a window and you look out there for a little while, nothing happens. And you look out there for just long enough and like a, a child or something just jumps out and goes like, Bleh. it's like, oh, you got me a child ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like... I. I don't know. I like this. I like that the developers didn't want to give you a break. Like, to me, that's just so much better than, you know. Yeah, I just the, had to give myself a break. Yeah, that's the thing. You do kind of still have to give yourself a break regardless. But, like, if you do get pulled into it, like, it really does um, get to you and you have to, you know, take your, take a break yourself. And I guess um, it's sort of, it's very committed to its setting. Like, you know, there if, if you were in the situation, there would be no 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 release no relief from it at all you would be stuck in this scary situation until you get yourself out and apart from actually turning off the game you kind of are too yeah and that's uh, that's something like just quickly i'll talk about like the third game because it's probably the one that the least people played um in that one you know you play as a girl who it lives in her apartment or whatever um and she goes to bed every night and like ends up at a mansion which is similar to the areas that you explore in this game. Um, And eventually, you know, you have that option to kind of wake up and get out of this dream mansion, as they call it. And that, to me, was really weird, the way that they gave you the option to... Not not an option, per se, but, like, they gave you moments to calm down. Mm. Um, But then, you know, eventually, the the stuff that appeared in your dreams would start invading the, the house that you live in and that's kind of where it got scary it's kind of like i mean people played silent hill 4 the same kind of thing happens where there's this kind of Um, safe area of a um like a room or the room apartment yeah and then eventually you know stuff from the scary parts of the game that you you psychologically segment off start kind of invading the safe areas and that's where it starts to get really creepy um and I mean, I, that's the only time that's ever happened in a Project Zero game, and I find that really bizarre. But I, I do think that this series works best when it's, you know, just balls to the wall. Like, yeah, just unrelenting. No, yeah, no. I don't even know if Project Zero 5 is like this. I've heard it might be mission-based, um, but I've got to d- double-check. But I really hope that it's similar when it does come out later this year. Um, so, I mean, like, moving on, like, from the gameplay... We move, I guess, going on to like the presentation and stuff. I think the most visually striking stuff 
with Fatal Frame or Project Zero Two is the way that you know it's it's very very dark, and then from every now and then you have very very bright intense reds and stuff like mm. coming into it, and it's it, it's a really simple like kind of contrast, but it works really well, um, and it plays into I guess the the storyline later on. Yeah, um, there's certain points where. You know, something acts almost as like a, a guide as to where you should be going, but it doesn't feel like a, a game checkpoint marker or a you know waypoint marker. It actually works itself into the story, which is really neat. I mean, an interesting um, thing, I mean, I don't know if you guys, if you knew this, but like it's each game actually has like a color. Okay. Um, first game is, I'm pretty sure first game is, I can't remember what the first game is, but the second game is red, third game is blue, fourth game is yellow, fifth game is, I think, dark blue blue or black or something um but yeah and each of the games kind of uses that color throughout the get throughout the thing and obviously this one's red um and it's interesting that they kind of commit to that color and use that color um throughout the whole thing um but the only the thing that i love most about this that makes it really scary this is something that's so simple but really creeps me out is like the kind of high contrast black and white footage that they show you throughout the game yeah you like on the projector yeah, like all yep. that kind of stuff. It just just bumping up the contrast to making it black and white just makes it so much more eerie looking than if it was just you know black and white footage or grainy footage or something. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure what it is, but yeah, just something about that being yeah being black and white being on like an old old projector, you know, ancient 35 mil film or whatever it would be. It just you find it in in the place and it's just not been well kept and just something about. You know, someone was here able to make film, but they're gone now, and it just sort of gives you an idea as to what happened to them. It's yeah, I don't quite know exactly why, but I completely agree. It makes it all the more eerie. Yeah, um, I mean, if anyone's watched, like, look it up on YouTube now. Like, the ring videotape is kind of uses the same, um, mm. the same kind of like look. The rendering methods, I guess, is the right way to talk about them, um, and that really just makes it just so much more like creepier. Um, the the visuals themselves, I think, are pretty good for like I say a Wii game. Um, definitely looks better than the PS2 one. Okay, um, I think because I I did happen to look at a couple of the PS2 videos, and it looks like the faces were kind of different between the characters, and I guess probably yeah. the whole character models were improved. They've got a lot more like I guess you know polygon budget to work with to make the faces look more realistic. Mm. Um, I found that the characters looked, or at least the two main characters, looked very doll like. I'm not sure if that was intentional or just because it's the people that made dead or alive and they kind of that's how they make characters i'm not sure yeah i don't yeah that's it i mean obviously it's not the same studio but maybe they share things share share maybe. assets or something um but yeah they do all in all the games they all they do um i remember i don't know if you saw there was a like a tweet or something that went out from tecmo for the new game the wii u one it's like hey everyone Watch out for our new trailer, which features technology from Dead or Alive, and everyone just assumed <laughs> they were talking about boobs. Of course, <laughs> the fifth game has a lot of very questionable clothes. Even well, this, this one, one just had like too. frilly clothes that sort of went, you know, frilled back and forth. But there were some unlockable costumes at the end, which was a bit questionable. Yeah, um, I think like for the we should talk about voice work and stuff, which is um, I, I think like it it's good. Like they kind of. That deadpan delivery, which makes it creepier, is done well. But then I think, Stephen, you were saying you had issue with the accents. Yeah, like, I, I'm i not quite sure if they were going for... It's in English, but it doesn't feel normal to an American player. Like, it's not a person speaking in a familiar American accent. But 
I, I don't quite know what it was, but it just seemed very why are they these very prim and proper British girls in Japan in a weird spiritual village? It didn't, it, it was just a little bit weird to me, like not in a fantastically good way, but I mean, it was, you know, probably better than being American and just the same as every other video game character. Yeah. I, mean, I think like, uh, did, you, did you feel that delivery was good? Like regardless of the accents and stuff? Um, like, did, It was. Did you think it was good, reasonably well done or not well done or? It was it was well enough. Like it didn't take me out of the experience. There was no like you know Resident Evil one. Like it takes you. It's not scary anymore, sort of stuff. But it wasn't. It didn't really seem like. I don't know. They weren't terribly in character. I guess. I don't know. It's really hard to describe. Mm. What about I ghosts? Do, I do wonder if um like was there ever like a Japanese voice option in the earlier versions? I couldn't find one in this, but I imagine that might have improved things a little bit i'm not sure there have been voice tracks in some of them um okay. this series has been like all over the place um yeah like, in terms of you know localization options who like you know when ubisoft did it they probably just chucked it out there whereas um when tecmo was doing it internally for the first game they were a little bit more um you know they they gave both options mm. um but very weird very yeah, all over the place. Um, I do think that maybe like for an authenticity's sake, <laughs> it would probably be better to play through it in Japanese. But um, I don't know. I I don't. I wouldn't. I don't find it as scary for some reason if it's not in English. Okay. That's I mean, really, yeah, I didn't get the really chance to play to say, it in another language. So like, I couldn't really say. I don't know. Like even the Ring video, like the Ring movies, I found them so much more scary in English than in. I guess because you're not really spending your time focusing on the subtitles and more on the images that are being presented, yeah, I guess. maybe that's why. I mean, I don't want to be like one of those people, you know, who just hates anything yeah. foreign. <laughs> but, but, like, it is just a choice that I kind of make. Um, but, yeah, I think generally, like, it's a really good-looking game for a Wii game. Um, I do think the frame rate was a little bit all over the place. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Did no, you feel I, that way? it seemed pretty consistent. Oh. I can't remember any moments where it, like, dropped noticeably i don't know you know it wasn't like a 60 frames per second game or anything like that but it didn't seem like there were any performance issues that i noticed i feel like it was 60 on the ps2 and stuff and it's not on okay. Wii, but i don't know i could be just you know roast into glasses maybe um, i remember it was definitely 60 when you went into the camera um but okay. i'm not sure about the the actual gameplay, but it's not something to really you know get too upset about yeah i mean it's gamers. not this isn't really a game that would need it either way yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've kind of talked about the like the sound in general, but I just want to yeah, say again, they did a really, really good job of just consistently keeping the sound sort of co- consistent with this, with the setting, like all the, like, you know, the floors being made out of wood and various other materials. And it all, you know, makes sense that when you step on wood, it sounds like you're stepping on creaking wood and sliding open the, like paper thin doors and how they sound everything everything was very consistent and always lots of creepy eerie stuff going on in the background almost almost a bit silent hillish like where there were things that once I worked out it was music it was a little bit less scary but for a long time I'd keep hearing noises in in I guess the background music track and thinking oh god what's behind me or you know where why don't I not want to go up these stairs because there's scary noises happening yeah and even like I like even the the simple things like just the I don't know what's the, what do you even call that noise where it's like it's high pitched and it's like a squeal kind of it's like 
but not, it's not, a, it's not, it's not even a squeal. I don't even know how to, it's like a, like oh, yeah. really loud and like it would get more and more intense as a ghost would come closer to you. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, um just like a really high like pitched loud something. white noise. <laughs> that's yeah. Like, that's probably as good as I could think of. Yeah. Like it's noise, but it it's nothing like, but it's so loud. It's, yeah, it's noise I, that doesn't make sense or mean anything, but yeah, it but kind of does. Yeah, and it's it's just so such a simple noise, but like it's used so well, and like the 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 bass, like the the kind of vibrating sound almost. Yeah, as stuff gets closer to you, like and like the heartbeat. Yeah, really well done. Um, I just yeah, the, the sound design in this game is excellent. So something that really needs to be stressed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if you can totally play this agree. with headphones or like a, a good sound system or something. Cause oh, it, if you've it, got the heart for headphones, I, I tried. Didn't have yeah. the heart for it for after a bit. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is. It's, it is. It really adds to it. It makes it much more scarier too. Like when you're hearing voices in the room that are just being piped directly into your ear, it's just, oh, it got too much after a while for me. But if, if, you, if you can try it, I, I recommend giving it a try. And if you can persist with it, it will probably be amazing. Yeah. So, um, with that, we will go to a quick break and we'll return to wrap up the episode. And we're back. So, um, just to quickly wrap up the episode on the site itself, um, we haven't been have had uh, haven't had an episode for a while now, so we apologise for that. Sorry, um, but yeah, but we'll try to be semi regular soon. Um, there's a Yoshi's Woolly World review, of course, and a Lego Jurassic World review. Um, on top of that, Stephen also has a Never Alone review coming up. Um, for people who don't know, I think is it the game that's um, the Alaskan. Indian, yes, yeah, like heavily set in Alaskan yeah. cultural um, something. It's a pretty nifty platformer. I personally thought it was a bit shit towards the end, but that's just me. We'll see what Stephen thinks when this we'll goes up on the website. Um, but yeah, that's about it for another fortnight or three weeks or whatever for another episode. Um, <laughs> for the next episode, um, we're not exactly sure what we'll. we'll we will join you with, but it will be something. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes out on the Facebook page or even the um, iTunes feed. Cause that's where, you know, the episodes appear first. Um, remember if you subscribe, you get it roughly a day early than everyone else. Uh, the website is www.vooks.net. It's like book books, but with a V. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Cool. Bye everyone. Bye.